We, uh, you might be wondering if we read the wrong gospel. It sounds like Christmas already. But on the fourth Sunday of Advent, we have, you know, this reading of how the birth of Jesus comes about or came about. And we hear about the virgin, right, who has not uh, been with her husband yet. And so there's this miraculous pregnancy that has occurred. And we, to us, you know, we might hear that or we hear that every year and many times throughout the year. And we, we perhaps think how, how spectacular, how amazing, how much of a miracle that is. It really stands out to us. But it's interesting to note that perhaps in the history of Israel, it didn't sound that uncommon. Well, it sounded uncommon, but it wasn't a new story. Do you remember Abraham and Sarah? And God calls Abraham and says, I'm going to make of you, your descendants, this great nation. Right? Numerous as the stars of the sky, the sand on the seashore. Which means he has to, they have to be able to have children. And for years and years and years they waited. And Abraham kept asking, when, when's it going to happen? You know, Sarah's not getting any younger. Nor am I. When is it going to happen? And it didn't happen until, we're told, Sarah and, and Abraham were very, very, very old. The point being, they were beyond the years when they should have been able to conceive children. And it was then that God blessed them. I mean, I, I don't remember the, the biblical number that it, it would have been, and you know how that sometimes is, is perhaps stretched a little, but I mean, imagine... Imagine hearing your, your wife, ex, you know, scream. She's 80 years old and she screams, guess what? Oh my gosh. But this is the kind of event that it would have been like. Same thing with the parents of, uh, of Samson. Very, very old age. Honey, guess what? It didn't end there. Right? We're told uh, about a virgin who will conceive and bear a child from the prophet Isaiah. And then, of course, we go to the, the New Testament and, and still people of the Old Testament, as it were. Um, we have Zechariah right? and Elizabeth. And once again, and they will be parents of John the Baptist. Very old, very, very old, we're told. You almost want to say, okay, we get the point. They were very old. She was found with child. Right? She shouldn't have been able to conceive, but she did. And so these stories were around, not just stories, but events were around in the consciousness of the Jewish people. The Lord had um, made sure to implant within their history Miraculous events surrounded conceiving and bearing children. Almost as if he was preparing them for the big one. Almost as though he knows what he's doing. And it wasn't just that, that, you know, this event that, that the Lord did this with, certainly with Eucharist, it's the same thing. Right? So beginning with the Passover feast, the Passover lamb. Repeating that act yearly, understanding that a lamb must be slain, its blood must be shed, and the lamb itself must be consumed. 
It was a foreshadowing to the Eucharist, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. God knows what he's doing, and he prepared his people to receive yet another miraculous childbirth. It was not, it may have been odd to them in that it didn't happen frequently, because it wouldn't be odd if it happened frequently, right? So it happened infrequently, but it happened in very, very important times and with very important people. Just as you have a miraculous conception and childbirth with Abraham and Sarah, right? the one who begins God's chosen people, as it were, his church, so too with, with Mary, she conceives in a miraculous way the one who will begin the Lord's church and bring to fulfillment his chosen people. The imagery and symbolism is intentional. God does amazing things. He does miraculous things. And he does it very specifically so that people will remember this event. So Isaiah prophesies about the virgin who will conceive a child. And he's no doubt prophesying in his historical context, again, as we've been talking about all through Advent. But all of the prophets, when they prophesied, prophesied in a way that their message would have gone beyond them. It would have meant more than just the moment that they were prophesying. But their prophecy would not come to full fruition until often many years after they had died. And so the the Jews waited on a Savior, Emmanuel, God with us. And they were told many years before this would happen, that it would happen, and they probably didn't doubt that it could happen. You know, in our, in our modern histor- or scientific uh, uh, world, we think, well, that can't happen because, you know, we, we just presume the bias of science, which, of course, cannot explain everything, but that tends to be our context. But they probably wouldn't have had nearly as much of a doubt that a virgin would conceive and bear a son. So then, when in the fullness of time, Mary is found with child, and she conceives and bears a son, and Joseph, as is his right, names him Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. Such an important name, God with us. Not a God who stands afar, not a God who is a long ways away, and saves the world from his, you know, heavenly throne, as it were. But a God who understands us, a God who takes responsibility for his creation that had gone awry. God had created all of us, and while he's not responsible for our sins, he takes responsibility, he enters into our world, God with us, becomes one of us, and redeems us through our nature and his. Redeems us as one of us. We do not have a God then that is a long ways away from us. We have a God who understands us, who is with us, who wants to be with us, 
a God who never abandons us, a God who seeks to be close. When we look at the, the moments of, of God's people in the Old Testament, right? These, um, these miraculous events that happen, but also the times that they were prosperous and the times that they suffered, the times when they were faithful to their covenant and then the times that they were unfaithful and, and they suffered punishment for it. But through it all, God remained faithful. And God found a way to bring them to be able to receive His Son, or prepared them to be able to receive His Son. All of it was happening according to His providence. And when we look at our own lives, there's you know, times of prosperity. You might say, when's that coming? Well, if it hasn't happened yet, maybe it will. You know, there's, there's times of prosperity, not, not necessarily just, you know, financial. There's other ways of being prosperous. There's times of going without. There's times of great victories. Times of great suffering. Times of great failure. Our lives are this, just like, you know, the, the Bible and the people of God itself, in the, the microcosm of our lives, we have the same thing. This up and down, good and bad. But what we find is, as people of faith, we can look at this life that we have, and we can see that God has always been with us. God has always been there for us, and He has used the good and the bad for our benefit. If we allow Him to do so, if we trust Him, even the great failures are used for our benefit. The great failures in the lives of the Jewish people brought them to a greater fidelity. And so too, even our failures can bring us to greater fidelity, greater love of God. And we think about that dynamic of just like a, a child and a parent. I was always afraid of, I don't know about you, but you know, when I was little, um, I was always afraid of coming clean and saying, I did it. If you knew my mom, you'd know why. Um, <laughs> but most kids are. You know, we're afraid of taking responsibility for our failures. And sometimes as adults, that's, that's difficult as well. But what the Lord seeks to do with us, even in our failure and in our suffering, is to redeem us. For those moments to become not just moments of failure, certainly not moments where He would abandon us. They're moments of grace, where lives turn around. And lives are changed. And so as we finish up our Advent season, we've had so many people go to confession. I don't know if we have a sinner left, which is incredible. I'm so incredibly proud of all of you and just so pleased, um, especially of our priests who are still, still here in confessions. But as we, as we finish up our Advent season, let us be grateful of a God who is with us, a God who is always on our side, a God who is always moving us up to something greater, 
A God who never abandons us, even when maybe we abandon him. He is always with us, always there for us. And come Christmas, let us really celebrate this wonderful gift. Please stand.